Well, hello there. It is good to see you again, and welcome back to the latest installment of Wisdom and Wealth, Pathways to a Life of Significance for You and Your Family. I am your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff, and as always, we've got our star of the show, Mr. Frank Astorino of the Astorino Financial Group. He's joining us, and we're going to be tackling another wealth management topic. That's what we do here on the show. We're taking the same strategies, solutions, and ultimately conversations that Frank is having with his clients over at the Astorino financial group and we're diving into them right here on this show and if you're a frequent listener or viewer of this show you know that frank and i we've we've had discussions about what it really takes to build an overall wealth plan and one component within that plan that always seems to rear its head is the idea of charitable giving well today we're going to be taking a deep dive into this topic of charitable giving so let's frame it up for you well think about it planned giving can help you do well financially while also doing good for others so when you provide meaningful financial support to causes that you care about, the opportunity for potential tax breaks arises. So in today's show, Frank and I are going to be discussing some particular charitable giving strategies and solutions and vehicles that might you know, be worth your consideration should you be interested in getting into charitable giving you know, at the start. Or we're also going to be discussing some next level strategies to maybe help bolster or reinforce your existable uh, you know, philanthropic efforts. So that being said, let's go ahead and bring Frank on and get right into today's discussion. Frank, it's good to see you this morning. How are you doing? Great to see you, Ryan. Uh, I love this topic and always willing to um, expand on it. So good to see you. Yeah, absolutely. Frank, you know, we got a good one. We've, we've, touched on this topic in prior episodes, Frank, but we haven't really had the chance to, to dive deep into it. So let's start high level here, Frank, like we typically do. Is charitable giving a topic that you say that many of you and you know your clients and prospective clients are asking about? You know, are, are, How much of an interest would you say is there in charitable giving these days? Uh, Ryan, I would say about 70% of the clients that we deal with have an untapped interest in uh, charitable giving. And we wouldn't know that unless we did our discovery process. And usually in the discovery process, as part of our planning, uh, we uncover their values. And when they start to reflect on things that they're passionate about, once they've gotten past their, their uh, heirs and survivors and so forth, um, you start to hear about their college or about animals or about the world and how they'd like to make an impact. So that's part one. Part two is that um, a lot of professionals know about these instruments, but they're not expert in these instruments. So they're not getting prompted to really talk about it. But I think the statistic has shown uh, that there's probably 70% of the people who are wealthy, they care about protecting their assets, they care about transferring their assets, they care about not losing their assets, but they also have um, sincere uh, desire to make an impact on the world. Roger that, Frank. So how would you say that financial or really wealth planning overall fits into this category of charitable giving? It fits in on a number of levels, depending on the, the sophistication of the charitable instrument. Uh, charitable planning could start with uh, as part of the estate plan. So if you have a significant estate, your uh, advisors are looking at what is the consequence of them having amounts of wealth above the tax exemption amount. So today it's a little over 22 million. So if you have 50 million, 
you know, you're, you're facing a significant exposure there for tax. Uh, most affluent people um, are looking at the current income tax. So if they're not getting, if they're getting too much tax because they work for a company and they're well compensated, they're looking for deductions. And then you have people who are looking for, they've done really well in their investment portfolio. Uh, we saw last year several with over a million dollars of unrealized gains. They don't want to pay the tax, but it might be appropriate to sell some of those stocks. And then there's people that need income. So we have instruments. It starts out with uh, basically your will, and you can just bequeath through your will, but it gets a little bit more sophisticated when you have multiple uh, objectives for your wealth planning. Roger that, Frank. So, Frank, this is a pretty broad topic. There's a lot of moving parts within charitable giving. Where would you begin to start? You know, that first step in terms of the approach of, of tackling this idea of smart charitable giving. Where do you begin here? I would begin with um, well, a lot of people are motivated by tax. So sometimes the tax discussion comes before the charitable discussion. Mm. Uh, as soon as you mention the C word, uh, people yeah. kind of, you know, clam up and say, well, I want to I'm worried about my kids. But then you have this enormous tax burden. So the type of charitable instrument that we look at depends on how much you weight the deductions they need, how much you weight uh, capital gains. Do we want to make sure they have enough sustainable income for their retirement? And then what are their attitudes and um, values towards legacy? And then we start to look at the types of financial instruments, which most people don't realize exist. They think it's like I give it away and I write out a check and their favorite causes and they're giving smaller amounts. Um, and then when you get into the accounting field, uh, you know, when the accountants are starting to look at tax returns and they hear us recommending a $250,000 CLAT or, or a $500,000 CRUT, and they look at the tax return and it shows that, well, they only gave $1,500 last year. You really think they should be giving that much to charity and they don't see the bigger picture. So we're a big picture context um, organization and we are pursuing helping other professionals understand the mechanics and the whys of, of, of this so that they could be helpful on the team. Yeah, I love that, Frank. And and I want to get into the we the weeds here for our audience and start talking some specific strategies. So could you maybe explore for us some of the foundational methods uh, that exist within charitable giving strategies? You know, could you share with us maybe some options uh, that someone, you know, might be considering if they're just getting started into this field? Yeah, the simplest is, you know, people I see often in their wills what they want to do and that's direct and it's simple and even while your will is going through probate if you were going to leave ten thousand dollars to you know uh, the animal shelter that's going to go even while your will is being probated um what's very popular now and has gone and increased popularity is donor advised funds donor advised funds you know is as simple as setting up like an ira and it is the equivalent in most cases of a charitable foundation, but you could start it with as little as $5,000. So if people are scrambling around for more tax deductions, 
and they have charitable intent. Um, a, a donor advised fund is a wonderful way of organizing it, getting a full deduction. And um, we have one, most of our clients have one and they feel really good about it. So the second level would be um, a CLAT, a charitable lead annuity trust or uh, income trust. And that's basically where you're not giving it away permanently, but you're basically getting a big deduction up front with transferring stock or some highly appreciated asset. Uh, and then you sp specify a number of years that you wanna give a percentage to the charity. So you're giving to charity with the income of the uh, instrument, and then it reverts back to you uh, or your heirs. So we've had people earmark the, uh, the termination of the trust to be when they retire. So they're getting deductions uh, up front uh, while they're working and gainfully employed, and then they um, get the money back when they're gonna retire, or if they have such a surplus, they make sure their heirs get that. The one that's most popular, and, and, and I think is the uh, pinnacle of financial planning is the charitable remainder trust. And there's different types of charitable remainder trust. And we've been doing it since, uh, two. 1988. And we've done everything from oceanfront property to stocks. And the beauty of the charitable remainder trust is you're giving it away at your death. And if you want to make sure the heirs aren't um, disinherited, you can buy a life insurance policy in a trust or a second to die policy in a trust. So it's out of your state. The heirs get um, the same benefit with cheaper dollars because it's pennies on the dollar when you buy life insurance at a young enough age. Um, but assuming you didn't do that, uh, you're still going to get a retirement income for you and your spouse, and in some cases, up to 10 beneficiaries. Uh, and, and we have those kind of gift funds. Um, the, the income enhances your 401k, for instance. So you're getting income the charity is getting it at the end and you're getting a deduction on top of it and it's out of your estate and you could have a um, irrevocable uh, life insurance trust to protect your heirs. I love that instrument and we see a lot of sales of business, um, you know, for business owners having some portion of the sale going into a charitable remainder trust. Awesome. Awesome. I appreciate you sharing kind of that next level strategy and, and particularly your favorite in that charitable remainder trust. Uh, from what I understand, Frank, there's another charitable trust, charitable lead trusts that come into play sometimes. Would you care to shed some light on that one for us? Yeah, the, char the charitable lead trust is for those who don't want to give it away permanently, uh, but they do want to get a deduction and they'd rather give the money to charity than to the IRS so they'll take, you know, we did, we did our largest amount last year. You know, we did a lot of 500,000 to a million dollar um, charitable lead trust because they needed the tax deduction. They were getting a windfall of money and basically, you know, giving 5% of the um, charitable lead instrument, we were able to set it up so that the income went to their donor advised fund. The beauty of that is that the donor advised fund doesn't have to be distributed until you want it to. You can grow it, uh, you can accumulate it for, for a number of years, 
and you can give it to multiple charities. So it's not all going to one charity like a pooled income fund does. And we love that because it gives them more control. Uh, it gives them a sense of having a foundation without going through the, the tedium and the cost of having a foundation. You're getting that in a donor advised fund, but the charitable lead trust is you really basically can transfer assets into it. Uh, you're getting income going to a charity and then it comes back to your heirs. The caution there is that the income that comes out of that charitable trust is taxable. So you're getting a deduction on the front end, uh, but you're paying ordinary income tax on the distribution to the charity. Roger that. Thanks for clarifying between those two, Frank. And and in terms of one of the more advanced options for any philanthropists or would-be philanthropists, you had mentioned that idea of a foundation or really a private foundation. Talk to us about how these work, as I'm sure many out there in the audience are familiar with private foundations. How do they work and where do they come into play with charitable giving? We've been doing uh, foundations for a long time, and we would recommend that you not do a charitable foundation until you're looking to leave uh, at least a million dollars. Um, and, and there's a lot of cost and tedium and regulation that goes into it. Um, I like converting a donor advised fund to a foundation when the wealth has, or the trust has gotten significant enough. And I find that it's a, a unifying agent for families. We're working on some very significant ones right now where you have a blended family and mom and dad want to make sure everybody gets along and is happy. So you have this million to $5 million foundation that every year they get together and have a dinner. Uh, I was just at an event where um, we were raising money for literacy and um, I was there with a, another entrepreneur and he was there because his father had left um, a significant foundation and he was able to write a $500,000 check uh, to a charity that might have hoped to get a $10,000 check. And it's because somebody's parent had left a great cause and the family is able to continue that cause in the name of the parent. So we like foundations. We just don't recommend that you do it until you're ready to make it more of an event and a annual thing uh, than a one-time uh, or minimal thing. Roger that. Appreciate that clarification there, Frank. And and so, Frank, as we're going through these different vehicles and strategies for charitable giving, you know, if anybody out there in our audience is is feeling charitably inclined and maybe they want to make giving a part of their larger wealth plan as a whole, who would you say they should be looking to for maybe some guidance or support in, in going through this process? That could be a little bit more challenging. And I think going back to the recognition that not everybody knows the nuances of these charitable instruments. It's become somewhat of a niche uh, along with retirement planning uh, in our firm. Um, so I would start with a wealth manager or financial planner, if not a, an estate attorney. Usually an estate attorney is equipped with knowing these instruments and knowing where they're appropriate. And it's not something that they just took in a, you know, one class in law school. It's something that they're doing regularly. 
we must be doing at least six or more um, complex charitable instruments a year. So we are accustomed to talking to accountants and lawyers who haven't done one. Uh, and that's not to take anything away from them. It's We're not practicing law. We're not practicing accounting. But we want everybody to be on the same page because you could you could make errors in the administration of it. And these are irrevocable instruments. Um, so they should start with either uh, their, their financial advisor or their tax attorney. And I mentioned tax attorney, not, not your criminal attorney or your real estate attorney, but you know, someone who understands tax. Of course, of course. And, and Frank, as we're bringing our conversation to a head, uh, you know, Coming in on the end of the show here today, Frank, if there was one, you know, note you could leave our audience with one, you know, kind of bottom line it for us, what would you say is the most important aspect of planned charitable giving that you would want your clients or anybody out there, frankly, to keep in mind when they, when they're approaching this strategy? The most important aspect from our view is to have charitable intent and to have a desire to make an impact that goes beyond ourselves. Um, the tax benefit is part of the rationale uh, for being generous and altruistic and wanting to make the world a better place. And certainly since COVID, um, we're seeing a lot more of that attitude come out of these planning sessions. Um, so char charitable intent would be number one, and then setting the expectation would be a part of that. Setting the expectation with your children, because if your children think they're just going to get all the money and they may not understand why a certain portion is going to your favorite cause, something inspired you to um, want to take care of that cause better than it is today. So charitable intent, setting expectations. Alrighty, Frank, appreciate that. And again, Frank, if anybody out there in our audience, you know, is interested in this topic, and maybe they're interested in even uh, reaching out to you and your team to open up a dialogue and talk about how charitable giving might play a role within their wealth plan with your team, what would be the best way they can get in touch with you? Get in touch with our office, and uh, it doesn't cost them to have a discovery meeting. Uh, we're skilled in knowing where the appropriateness is and whether this is something that should be a continued dialogue and, and people have as many as six conversations about it with research that we provide for them so that they can start to get a feel for what it is but start out with a discovery meeting and uh, it's non-obligatory no one's gonna pressure you and I think that's the best way to start and you'd be surprised at how many people get very intrigued as you open up the discussion. I believe it. Well, thank you there, Frank. And hey, look, you're a busy guy. You've got clients to serve. We'll let you get back to running your business, but I appreciate you carving some time out of your day to dive into this idea of charitable giving. And uh, I'm looking forward to being back with you on the next one. Ryan, as always, it's great. Be well, travel safe. And thank you for um, your due diligence and having this conversation. I appreciate it. And absolutely, Frank. And also, as always, we want to take one final moment and thank you guys. And that's our audience. Oh, here, Frank. Sorry. Let me have you mute yourself while I do the uh, the outro right here. That way it doesn't take your camera shot. Awesome. Thank you, sir.
Fantastic, Frank. Well, hey, look, we also want to say thank you to you guys, and that's our audience, for jumping aboard and being with us on the show here today. If you took anything away from today's conversation, maybe charitable giving uh, was a topic you hadn't thought too much about, but now it's piqued your interest. Well, do us a favor. Subscribe to the show on whichever platform you checked us out on today, and then, of course, share any of this information with any friends or family, even business owners, anybody that you think would benefit from this episode here today or any of our future episodes. You see, you know, I mentioned this at the beginning of the episode. I'll say it again. We're taking the same conversations and strategies that Frank is implementing with his clients at the Astorino Financial Group, and we're bringing them right here to you guys on this show. That means we got a lot of great topics here in future episodes and, of course, in past episodes that we would hate to have you miss out on. So for Frank, I'm Ryan. We're going to go ahead and say so long, but we appreciate you guys joining us on today's installment of Wisdom and Wealth. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. The Astorino Financial Group and LPL Financial do not provide legal or tax advice or services. Please consult your legal or tax advisor regarding your specific situation. LPL Financial representatives offer access to trust services through the private trust company NA, an affiliate of LPL Financial.